We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast, another Georgia victory, and we're going to talk more about that. The dogs pick up a commitment from a 2024 quarterback, and boy, what a chaotic week of college football. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, by the way. Um, Juan, it seemed like you uh, made it back safe from South Bend. Uh, Let's do this first. Let's talk about that. Um, If you're not familiar with it, we talked about this chaotic week. Another thing. Juan and Stanford go up to South Bend, upset Notre Dame in South Bend. First off, on that, tell us about that. I know you mentioned that was like a bucket list type thing. What was that like? Oh yeah, it was. It was definitely a bucket list thing. It's it's one of those things that if you have an opportunity, if you're a college football fan, just a college football fan, go to Oregon, which we had an opportunity to go to Oregon and go to Notre Dame. Just the atmosphere. The, the Notre Dame fans were awesome. The uh, touchdown Jesus, the Golden Dome, it was uh, an, an excellent time, you know, great atmosphere. And then, of course, us coming and, and, and pulling out that victory made it that much sweeter. I, I know at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of, uh, you know, people talking and chatting about why in the world is Notre Dame the number five team in the nation. They go and lose to Ohio State, then they go and lose a Marshall and then lose then to a one in four Stanford team. Um, it just kind of tells you they are grossly overrated. However, you know, the, the college football gods want Notre Dame to always be at the top. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not the case for them this year. Good. I'm glad I'm glad Stanford was able to uh, assert some dominance there. It was an ugly game, 16-14. But hey, a win is a win. Uh, obviously, Ashton, right, your son's on the team. For anybody curious, while we started off the show talking about uh, Notre Dame and Stanford, there, there's your logic and there's your reasoning, folks. Um, but to, let's turn the let's turn the page. Um, Georgia, right? Georgia absolutely dominates. Second time in a row, second game in a row, where you see Georgia absolutely assert their dominance and assert their will, and to a tune of. Um, a perfect score, by the way, 55 nothing. Um, which, you know, if I'm not mistaken, last Wednesday, someone called out 55 nothing. 
I'm not going to say no names, Robert Reynolds, um, but there was a perfect score uh, prediction. Um, listen, I might not be good at my college football picks, damn it. I might be last, but I'm telling you right now, I know my damn Bulldogs. I'll take that. Um, but listen, what are, what were your thoughts? What were your initial thoughts over this win against uh, Vanderbilt Saturday? Well, just like I said, it's it's a statement game. Every every team that Georgia plays, that Alabama plays, you can best believe it's going to be a statement game. And so they went above and beyond just to say, listen, no matter how well Alabama did against Vanderbilt, we're going to do it that much better. And man, it was an absolute beatdown. Listen, I, th- I think you saw Georgia get back on track to what we should be, right? You take you take an instance where offensively, like I said, 55 points, what 679 total yards of offense, and, and that's not include and that's including backups, right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about a couple things here. I think there are some key highlights for me in this game. Uh, listen, Stetson Bennett breaks that touchdown streak, right? Three games, I think, going on three games scores early. By the way, to uh, pass and touchdown. Um, one of the things that I liked in that drive, that first drive, right? You made that statement, executed, get down to the red zone, and you punch it in for six or for seven, not three. Uh, but obviously, a pass and touchdown is nice. Listen, Stetson almost threw for another 300 yards, two t- two touchdowns, no picks, right? Play like that, and you're you know, and I think you have the recipe for another playoff contending team, um, and especially when the defense played lights out like it did, a limiting limiting Vanderbilt to 150 total yards of offense. That's insane. It's insane, right? And that's without some of your better players. That's without Jalen Carter on the D line, right? So. Overall, it was a dominating game. Uh, A.J. Swan was really, you know, it was very surprising to me because I knew what he he's capable of seeing him in high school. Georgia contained that very well. Um, now, there were also a couple plays where, you know, uh, A.J. had threw, uh, threw some passes. And listen, there was, you know, there were a couple, I think, that stick out. Ringo uh, about Ringo got lucky in that instance there. Um, the guy dropped it. I think it was, I forgot his name. Um, guy drops it and then slightly overthrown in stride down the sideline, right? That's, that's a big gain if that's connects. Uh, but outside of that, Georgia absolutely dominates this game from start to finish, never in question. Yeah, agreed. Um, and, and that was something too, I think I mentioned in the show, I thought Blaylock was going to do you know, you know, going to be able to do something. And uh, again, Carson Beck comes in there, as, as, as Patrick says, and uh, he, he comes in there and does a great job. So we, we looked good overall. And then, and then again, like I said, the biggest thing is, is, hey, are we going to continue to make statement games? And uh, we, we went out there and did that. And it was uh, it was great to see. You know, even like I said, even to the tune of the backups, right, which I think probably the best highlight of the game is uh, Eric Gilbert. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's not really documented, but most Georgia fans understand what he's going through in a sense of the, the path. Right. That's been going on. Maybe not exactly understanding the intricate details, but, you know, there's something going on. Um, listen, he gets his first reception, gets his first touchdown. Right. Um, extremely happy for that kid. Extremely happy for him. Right. And it shows you how important he is and how much the team loves him when you sit there and you see everyone up. Listen, up 48 to nothing, sitting there acting as if he scored the game when a touchdown. That to me screams culture. And that's a good one to have. That's yeah, an extremely good one to have. Great, great, great to see him back. And then hopefully he can, 
you know, just kind of get himself inserted into the offense. And it was funny because our, our last our last podcast, Black Adonis actually asked where he was. And, and, and you know, for, for all of us, it was just kind of a mystery. And then, of course, he he shows up. He's going to be vital when it comes down to, you know, winning the SEC East, then going into the SEC championship and then, you know, making a run at that college playoff national championship. I think he's going to be a key piece that we're going to need to uh, to, to be successful. Absolutely. Now, what if I told you that Brock Bowers wasn't the best tight end on the field Saturday? Would that surprise you, Juan? I mean, it's no, not really. It's 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 tight end you. It's it's all of, uh, about you know who, who's going to get their chance, who's going to get their opportunity, and I think that each and every one of them step up and and, and do their part. Now, I do understand one thing, folks. I'm not saying Brock Bowers isn't a good player. Not you know what I mean. What I'm saying statistically, Darnell Washington, big O had himself a game Saturday. And one of the things I think moving forward is something that Georgia needs to take advantage of and capitalize, getting him more reps because he is capitalizing on the opportunities, if you know what I mean. Like going out there and making play after play, right, catch after catch. But obviously, you know, everybody assumes that he's just this blocking tight end, and, and that's proven week after week that he's capable of doing both. Right. And then you piece that in with guys like Brock Bowers on the outside, too. It's a scary combination. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Carson Beck, though. Every week that we've been able to do this, he's getting more comfortable and it's showing. Right. Leads two touchdown drives or three. Oh, yeah. Two touchdown drives um, and looked really good in those in those drives. Um, I mean, impressive. Listen, there's no quarterback, comp- you know, there's no quarterback controversy from this. Please stop with that nonsense. But the, you know, my, and my thought on this one is this: the fact that Todd Munkin and the off and is really letting him operate the offense right in a functional offense, not just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, like in years past. That is speaking volumes to where he is with this offense. And it's grooming him with game experience for next season. What are your thoughts on on this offensive identity change where we're seeing the backup actually operate a functional offense? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it, it looks good. I mean, you know, you want to, if, if at all possible, get the get the backups in as, as, as early as possible. So you want your first, sorry, you want your second, third string guys getting reps against first string players on the other team, um, whether that be offense or whether that be defense. And now you're looking at a situation where you're not, you know, you're not rebuilding, you're reloading. And, you know, take a look, you know, just to sidebar, look, look at Alabama. Alabama doesn't have those receivers that were just blockbusters that were, you know, that, that, that they've had in the past because those guys don't have that experience. Look at Milrow. If, if Bryce Young doesn't play in that Tennessee game, I mean, uh, Alabama gets absolutely slaughtered. So the fall off from that first and second string on uh, you know, Alabama's QB or receivers is, is really bad. Whereas Kirby seems to be making sure that we're not going to have that much of fall off. Um, if not, we're going to be the same and then continue to get better. But this is the best way to do it. You know, Michael Dudley brings up a good point. He says he doesn't think more reps for Darnell, but look at him in the red zone like what Beck did with Gilbert. I slightly disagree. And the reason why I say that is this. He's a mismatch nightmare regardless on the field, where you are on the field. It doesn't matter, right? We've seen that. 
um, 30 or 34-yard reception right down the sideline, things like that. Now, to your point, Michael, what I do think is utilizing him in the red zone will be interesting because who's going to box him out? If, if you do the right – listen, if you do the right route running or right, in the route tree, good luck trying to box this man out. Throw it up high and, and in front of somebody. Run a little – hell, if anything, run a little hitch route, right? Box, get him – he's so big-bodied. Who's going to get around him and, and go where he needs to be? You, There's so many different schematic advantages you have with somebody that size, right? Um, but at the same time, if you look at what we did in the red zone – Getting Kenny McIntosh in space is a recipe for success, right? You you look at those kind of plays, and why not? You see, you see what I mean? Like what we're doing so far, right? We're starting to see this red zone efficiency spiking back up, and it's because we're getting our best players in space and just going out there and just taking care of business. You know, ultimately, I think you're going to come to a point where we're going to have to do something different in the red zone, right? Um, that may come against, I don't know, Florida, Kentucky, maybe we'll see. But for the most part, get your best players in space. I'm telling you right now, I would love to see a, a perfectly ran whip route when A.D. Mitchell comes back. It's going to happen at some point, probably within the five-yard line, because within five yards, A.D. Mitchell, his separation ability is stupid. It is, it's, it's drastically in, increased from what you're going to see in anything else. I love his ability. I wish we would do that more though. These whip routes, if they're run right, uh, if they're run right are deadly one. What are, what are your thoughts about the red zone and how, if you had any say, you know, what would you do if you're in the red zone to optimize that efficiency? Well, again, you've got your, you've got your big tight ends um, that, that you could throw the ball up to. I like, actually, I like really like screens with the tight end. So Brock Bowers, you know, they usually will get him and run a screen. I do love that. Um, you know, uh, the little angle routes out of the backfield from the backs, you know, getting them, getting them the ball. So just doing something a little bit different. Uh, and Georgia has the ability to do that. They don't always have to try to sit there and pound it and run the ball. I mean, they got different options that, that they, they could use, but even just again, motion or back out and doing like a little swing pass or a little, little screen to a, to a back, I, I think are great ways to, get those guys in space and, uh, and, you know, let them go to work. Yeah. If you want, you know what I mean? Like if we saw that, right, the running back comes out of the backfield, right, motions over and then runs out. No linebacker run immediately, and that's all you needed for him to sit there and get the space that he needed. It was a wrap. So, you know, that that's my thought, right? Like – you know, whether you use Kenny McIntosh in space, screens, you know, jet like jet motion for lad, things like that, whatever, right? Whatever. As long as we because you're gonna need this after this bye week, right? Well, obviously we're heading into a bye week. Moving down the stretch, you're going to have to execute and be super efficient in the red zone if you get there, right? You're going to have to do that. So you know, moving forward, however it is, I, you trust Todd Munkin because this offense is on a level that we haven't seen in quite some time. It's going to be fine. Just keep executing like we have these past couple of weeks. And I feel like you're in good shape, I would assume. Absolutely. Um, that's what we see Tanil saying. That, Did y'all hear that Tennessee is winning the Natty yet? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later because there is a chaotic week in college football. And that will be talked about. Trust me. Um, Juan, if you had to give a player of the game based off of their performance Saturday, who would you give it to? 
Um, I, I would give it, like I said, I, I, I'd give it to Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett looked solid. He, you know, made the right reads, did exactly what he needed to do, was, you know, was just the leader, which is who I predicted, you know, beforehand. You know, it, it, it's, you know, you can't necessarily give one specific player, especially offensively and the skill guys, because, again, they do so much rotating that, you know, you almost have to stick with the guy that's, you know, basically distributing the ball. I mean, you can you can about go anywhere with this type of performance. But for me, I'm going to give the game ball to Eric Gilbert. Overcoming the whatever he's been overcoming <clears throat> is sticking it out, right? Keep going, you know, coming back to the team. His his journey to where he is now, the fact that he got the reception, got a touchdown on the same drive, statistically it may be overshadowed, sure. But to me, that was a defining moment for him in his Georgia career. It's just that simple. Now, however, you, you know, like I said, you can go a multitude of ways here, right? Carson Beck, listen, Carson Beck came out and balled out like he was a starting quarterback, been doing it all game. It was insane. I loved it. That's the kind of stuff this, that, you know, that Kirby talked about, right? It's not a quarterback controversy. It's having multiple quarterbacks that can put you in a position to win games. And we saw that on full display against Vanderbilt. It's just that simple. Yeah. Um, listen, Amarius Mims came in. I don't know if y'all saw that, but Amarius Mims was in right at right tackle, things like that. Dude was mauling folks, right? Listen, you can come in here and tell me all you want about, oh, it's Vanderbilt, this and that. Listen, I don't care. Georgia did what they're supposed to do against an inferior opponent. Go out and purely dominate. It's just one of those things, right? Like, it's just beautiful to see. Obviously, Stetson Bennett. Um, like you could look at, you know, Dejon Edwards again. You could, Hey, uh, speaking of, uh, Cash Jones, folks, Cash Jones, 55th, uh, 54th uh, point. Um, listen, you might not know him because we've got guys like Branson Robinson and Dejon and Kenny and Kendall. I'm just letting you know, folks, Cash Jones, here comes the money, right? But... Uh, Pat says it's player of the game defense. Take your pick. Do you, who would you say one if you had to choose defense here? Who would who would you give it out of anybody there? Um, I, I would say who I would not give it to, um, and that would be that would be Ringo. <laughs> I wasn't I was not impressed um, with, with with what he did. Um, but but outside of that, I mean, I, I think our interior line did a great job. Everybody else, and I, I would just give it a, a, just a complete defensive performance because Vanderbilt scored uh, against most teams. I, I think even Alabama, um, possibly, and they did not score against us. So I, I would give it to the whole to the whole group. You know, that's I like that pick because it's it's really a safe pick, and I like it. Give me Tyke Smith because Tyke Smith balled out, man. Like, yeah, if if you had to be nitpicky on giving somebody a defensive. Uh, game ball. Think of the guy that forced the fumble, the lone turnover. Who was it? Tyke Smith. <clears throat> Tyke Smith. Listen, he wasn't necessarily a starter, right? You had Javon Buller starting throughout the season, but that ain't stopped him from going out and playing some damn good football. Because every week he gets on the field, he's looking better and better and better. And as a, like I said, as a team, that's the stuff that you need, right? That's the recipe for getting back to the playoffs and doing and repeating what you're what you're trying to do. It's that simple. Um, 
we've got some we've got some chit chat talking about Tennessee here, which, like I said, that's a hot topic in uh, around Dog Nation today. Uh, Kobe is in the chat. You can only play who you have scheduled. Look at Tennessee at the beginning of the year. People talking about we have the worst home schedule in years. Now it's looking like a number one versus a number three. And I feel like that's perfectly spoken, one like. Like you said, we, we alluded to it, right? You play Vanderbilt, right? People looking at it like, oh, Tennessee's number one. How so, right? How so? Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And on the flip side, we're going to talk about Georgia landing their guy for the 2024 class, Ryan Puglisi. So stick around. We'll catch this quick break. We'll come and talk more about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome back, folks. Obviously, listen, Georgia had an excellent day on the field, but it also had an excellent Sunday, I think it was, off the field. Um Ryan Puglisi, three-star quarterback, according to 24-7, out of Avon, Connecticut, 
commits to Georgia, 2024 quarterback. You know, and listen, people might be asking who he is, right? When you look at 24 cycle, right? You had a, you know, you had a chance with Dylan Raiola, doesn't, you know, Foster, he commits to Ohio State. You still got guys on the board like Julian Sayan and, and Jaden Davis. Why Ryan Puglisi? Well, I'll tell you this. Go watch his highlight tape and you'll understand. 6'3", 210, uh, can throw the ball 70-plus and pretty smart with the football, uh, safe with the football. Um, Juan, I don't know how much research you've dove into this quarterback commit here, um, but just in general, if you want to elaborate more, go for it. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, 20, anytime you get a quarterback in your recruiting class, it's the it's in my opinion the, one of the most pivotal positions for a recruiting class because it can help build that recruiting class. What are your thoughts on the commitment, and you know where do you see that going from here? I, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know very much about him. Um, you, you know, but you know, his, historically, you know, Georgia's done a great job as far as you know doing a re, doing recruiting when it actually comes to quarterbacks. I mean, you obviously you obviously saw what Carson Beck could do. Um, and, and then again, you know, Munkin is looking for his guy. You know, he has a certain type, he has a certain whatever he's looking for. And obviously this guy is, you know, one to, one to fill it. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I will, I'm looking, ex, you know, excited to go look at his, his tape to see, you know, what he does. You know, is he going to be that gritty, heady guy that's not necessarily going to be your gunslinger? Because, yeah, you can throw it 70, 70, you know, plus, but you know, are you a gunslinger or are you, you know, smart with the football? So uh, I'm excited to actually go and just take a look at this uh, pick and then see what, uh, you know, what we ended up getting. You know, it's funny to me because outside of, outside of the Georgia space, folks are always already trying to bash Georgia for, oh, you know, picked up a three-star, this and that. Listen, this is why rankings don't matter, folks. Three-star quarterback, right? Three-star quarterback. When you have offers from places like, Alabama and Georgia and I mean they offered on the spot he came in over the summer went to went to Alabama went to uh, Georgia they offered on the spot folks that tells you more that listen he's not a three-star quarterback you have to trust the evaluation process right everybody wants to bash Georgia's quarterback evaluation skills come at me with that stop playing right you taking you know, everybody talks about these four and five stars that Georgia's missing on. And I'm looking at it like we just took a two-star Stequavius and just won a natty with them, right? If, if Todd Munkin and Buster Faulkner and Kirby and like raved about to that point where they offered on the spot and then they pushed. Listen, when you have a five-star quarterback, two five-stars for that matter, Jaden Davis and Julian Sayan, and both of them get pushed down after, after a workout at a camp, Trust the process. Trust it. They love what they saw. They made him the priority. He's now a dog. I'm telling you right now, folks, this is a three-star that will be a four-star, if not fringe top 100 pick to maybe even five-star. We're calling it here. The next rankings bump for 2024, watch it. I want to say he's 359th overall right now. Watch that number. We'll come back to this and we'll see where he stands. It, just the next update. Just watch. Just watch. Um, as we see, oh, Mr. Colin Tyrone is in the building saying, what's up? Colin. <laughs> um, 
But no, yeah. Listen, I, I think I think you look at the twenty four cycle, right? I think it's a good thing to have a quarterback early because you look at guys like Mike Williams or Mike Matthews. I mean, sorry, Mike Matthews, receiver, big time receiver in Georgia, right? He can push for that. Right? He's going to start recruiting these guys. I think what I saw from his willingness to want to be here, he wanted to be here. Add that to the fact that the guys loved him, right? The staff loves him. It's kind of one of those fits, right? As Mike Dudley brings up, Stequavius was a three-star. There you go, folks. Listen, if you you have to look at the success that, that – um, that Kirby and company have had with three stars, folks. There's been several three stars for that matter that have come to Georgia and left as all Americans, first round draft picks, and even succeeding very well in the NFL. Um, just one recently was Jordan Davis, folks. Three star coming out. Now, obviously, different position. I get it. But I'm just saying the development is here. Um, <clears throat> Mike Dudley says that KJ Bolden is going to be playing wide receiver if he goes to Georgia. I don't I think that might be a take to listen to. I think he can play about anywhere. Wanham, he's a Buford guy. I mean, what obviously we're not going to make any like bold predictions here. I mean, I guess it is a prediction. I think you could put him at safety, but he can play anywhere, I would assume. What are your thoughts on the KJ Bolden situation? I guess since this got brought up. Yeah, he, he is a, a top rated athlete, but he's more going to be defensive than he is offensive. Um, he can play receiver, however. Um, he's not going to be your typical receiver. Doesn't necessarily have the hands uh, to, to to be that, you know, has a couple of drops here and there. But it just depends. Like now, if he goes and focuses strictly on being a receiver, yeah, he could do that. But right now they have him slated as a as, as a defensive guy. But unbelievable athlete, probably, you know, one of the top athletes. I mean, they had a big time game this past weekend or sorry, this past Friday against, um, you know, Caleb Downs. And, uh, you know, who's going to Alabama and you have Justice Haynes. I mean, it was an absolute, I mean, it was an absolute just drag out, knockout fight. Over 10,000 people at that game. It was. That insane. was insane. There was pictures of that. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Now that, uh, so that, that game, that game was ridiculous. It seemed like, you know, obviously even Kirby made the appearance with the Kirby copter coming in. Uh, obviously, you know, we looked at some 23 guys like you just listed there, but you also got Edric Houston and, right, 2024 kids, right? It's just insane. It's just insane how much talent was on that field Friday. Um, as Kobe brings up this three-star, the star, you know, listen, Mac Jones was a three-star quarterback, folks. So if anybody outside of that want to come at us with that, Mac Jones, for your beloved Bama, if you're listening trying to talk shit, he was a three-star, right? So – like keep that in mind, man. Stars ain't everything. We'll continue to say that. <clears throat> well, we're going to do that. Um, but nonetheless, right? Obviously, we, we you know George gets to commit. Moving forward, I think he's going to be one of the key pieces. But I'm curious to see one if Georgia goes for two quarterbacks in the 24 cycle. If you had to make a prediction today, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna judge this as saying oh we will or we won't. Do you think Georgia goes for two quarterbacks in the 24 cycle? No, I, I think they stick with one. I think that they kind of have their their eye on a guy, a kid. His name is Julian Lewis, who is at uh, he's at um, Cheryl. Juju, yeah, yeah, Juju. Kid's, so, kid's uh, stupid I, good. Yeah, stupid he's, good. He's, he's really really good, and so I, I just think that they'll hold off right now. You know, maybe just take one and then just kind of wait. You know, wait wait around to see if they can pick him up. I, I'm curious because depending on how the quarterback room shakes out, right? 
depending on how things go, you you could see either a portal addition or a very hard push to get two quarterbacks. So, listen, I think I think the postseason, right, seeing how the quarterback room shakes out, right, if people stay, I feel confident saying you go for one and 24 and be done with it. If something happens and say, for instance, if I don't know, say if one, you know, leaves or whatever. And, you know, at that point, then you sit there looking the portal, but nothing comes up. Then you're starting to scratch your head. It's like, you do we take two? We'll talk more about this as as the offseason progresses, if you want to call it that right The you know, after the season, I guess you could yeah. say. I, I think they're I think they're done with the whole portal quarterbacks. I mean, you know, you get the guy from Wake Forest that comes in and he fizzles out. You get, J, you know, JT Daniels, he, he comes in and he, you know, doesn't, you know, I, I just think that they like their guys that are just that they've recruited and they are, you know, building with him, you know, building that process. And I think that that's where George is going to go. And then again, you look at last year, they didn't take very much from, they don't, I don't think they took anything from the portal last year. So, I, which all that says is, hey, you know what? We believe in who we have. We believe in the guys that we recruit. And, you know, we're, we're going to start something, something great here. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's basically what's happening. You know, I look at it this way, Juan, like you said, like going through the portal for quarterback in recent memory has struggled. We have struggled with that. One of the things that I think if, I, if I'm looking at it this way, Monken has – he has his system quarterbacks, if you, if you will. Stetson Fitz, is, you know, he's, he's been here. He understands Todd Monken's offense. Carson Beck is the same, right? I think you're starting to see that slowly. As, as more the more that Carson Beck plays, you really start to understand like what he's capable of. And you see the things that a lot of people may not pay attention to. A lot of people might just focus on the passing. But if you really took a look and in, in deep dove or dive deep into the performance for Carson Beck Saturday, it's the small things like keeping your head downfield, moving up in the pocket, um, you know, taking off and running. Arguably, that was his best play, the 13-yard run. Uh, the, like I said, a lot of that, the small things, when it comes time next year, if he is the guy, that right there, that those intangibles are going to be paying dividends beyond your imagination because you need a quarterback to sit there, keep your eyes downfield, make reads, see that nothing's there, take off, right? He's got the, he's got the athleticism, right? But those small things for me shows to me, at least the development of Carson Beck. And, and I think you're, like I said, you're grooming him to be the guy next year. With that being said, I'm going to make the take right now. I think there's a good shot that you don't see much of a regression at all next year. I just, now obviously we got to see if we can get him on the field, um, you know, more this season, right? When you look at the, you have the bye week you have, then you go to, you know, then you go and you play Florida, right? That might be a game. If we, if we take care of business, like I think we should, you might see Carson back going there and listen, what better way than to put it on Florida than giving them a North Florida kid to score a touchdown on them. I'm just saying, yeah. right. You can't write it up. You can't write it up any better. Yeah. Listen, yeah you're right. It might be the bye week, but my Gator hater lives on. It will always be two weeks of Gator hater for right now. Um, so anytime I can shit on Florida, we're going to do that. Um, Mike Dudley asked this. He said, the real question is Georgia or UGA is okay with just three quarterbacks. You have to be careful with that. I think that's a slippery slope in terms of quarterbacks because of the, the, the volatility of the position. 
Um, you know, when you have four star, five star athletes at your quarterback position, keep them happy, right? Keep them happy. How do you do that, right? I think what we're seeing is, you know, Carson Beck is getting in playing time and doing this right here. And obviously, I think that keeps him around. Uh, for me, you know, Mike D says that uh, BVG can, will leave after the season. That's his prediction. I'm not going to go about that. I, I don't want to put anybody in the portal by any means. Um, but I think you have to just see how this quarterback room plays out, honestly. Um, Pat, we are most certainly Gator Hayden today. Um, we always do it anyway. So anytime anybody wants to Gator hate, you know how it is. We're, we're going to do this. We're, we just do that. We'll, we'll go there. Um, Juan, let's transition, though. We talked about it at the beginning, right? Stanford upsetting Notre Dame, which kind of to me is like, one point of the many for this past weekend in college football. Obviously, the big tell, the talk of the town, Tennessee taking down Alabama, but you've also got Utah taking down um, USC. Um, you, you look at right Oklahoma, Oklahoma beating Kansas. Yeah. Okay, just a, just a bunch of different things. Oklahoma State. Yeah, so, I, I love listening to you talk about these because these are all games that I picked to be winners. And so I'm not listening. College football picks might be to the bottom of the four, but I'm just letting you know right now, I got, this, I got the perfect prediction for Georgia. That's all yeah. I need. That's all, that's all I need. That's all, right. all I need. Right. But not see what Pat, Pat, he's got your back. All right. I find that offensive. <laughs> My man. But, but no, so to me though, one right. Let's let's start this because every Georgia fan is doing this. Tennessee takes down Alabama, but during the game, it was a mix between people wanting Tennessee to win and people wanting Bama to win. I find it hard for me to believe anybody should a Georgia fan should want either one to win, you know. But at the same time, if I had to pick, give me Bama to win. And the reason why I think this is because if they win. Now you have to start looking at the recruiting momentum, and we go up against them every year like that, right? We want to run the East, and what better way to do it than having everybody else in the East down, hold them down, right? Um, you know, listen, I heard you, Pat. He picked Tennessee. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a little bit opposite of you. You know, give, give me Tennessee to, to, to win that game because, you know, I, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with Bama when they play Ole Miss. You know, they still got to play Mississippi State. So by the time that they – if they get to the SEC championship, they're going to, you know, maybe have a loss, maybe two losses. Who, who, who knows? But to have Tennessee come into Georgia, and that's going to be the biggest, you know, not only just game, that one versus three, but then you're going to have all these recruits, everybody that's going to come in. I think right there, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those things that, man, the East is now back. We're surpassed Alabama. The Tennessees and Georgias are now surpassed out. This is where it's going to be. It's going to be insane. If you have a ticket to go to see that game, it's going to be out of this world. And uh, what, what better way to, to – and it's, it, it, it's for the East. I mean, this is, this is going to be for the East. And everybody's high on Tennessee, and Tennessee's high on Tennessee. And then guess what? They come into Georgia and get humbled. That's going to be awesome. See, my as KTG hops in uh, – Pokey hops in. Uh, he's he's on your side too. Listen, for me, I look at it this way: when I watch that game Saturday, 
right? Obviously, I was watching the Georgia game first. That's that's most important. I watched it and I just sat back and watched. It, it's that perfect meme, right? It's that it's that perfect meme where you got two people beating the shit out of each other, and you and we're just sitting back there with our camera, right? Like that's how I felt, right? That's how I felt because Saturday, if what we see transpires in Athens. Ain't no way Georgia's going to drop 17 penalties. Ain't no way we're giving up 52. They didn't make any adjustments. There was no defense, it felt like, either side. Either side. Georgia's, I, I think Georgia's going to handle business a lot differently, right? A lot differently. Nick, I think Nick Saban's mentioned that the, the environment didn't really play a part in that game. I call bullshit on that. Because if I want to say I heard a stat saying that they gave basically off penalties was 50. 130 yards of penalties. Yep. They only they only ran the ball for like 120 some. Yeah, so I guess yeah, I got um, BS on that. You know, for for those of us that have that have been to Tennessee, it is insane. Um, and and there is no hearing. There is, I mean, you can very easily get disoriented, discombobulated. It's it, it's insane. So for him to say that that did not play a part is absolutely false. I, I mean, I, I, we're we're both on board with that, right? I think that's simple. Um, listen, but when we look at this game in three weeks, they're not. We're not going to Knoxville, right? We're not going to Knoxville. They're coming into. Listen, I'm telling you right now, 2019 Notre Dame ain't gonna have shit on this in three weeks if everything holds if holds the course, right? Yeah. Which brings me to my next point, Georgia fans, focus on me. Do not overlook Florida. Just because they're asked, don't overlook them. Simple as that, folks. Two weeks, we go to Jacksonville and we play Florida before Tennessee comes to town. Do not, and I repeat, do not overlook Florida. Just don't. I don't okay. think I don't I don't think we're gonna overlook Florida. And, and again, just like the last couple of games, that's gonna be a statement game. And I think I'm 100 percent on board with that. It was what was it, 38 to 33, and uh, obviously Tennessee has no defense. We're going to be able to run up and down the field, but we have an unbelievable defense and all of that, you know, hype and everything that Tennessee has. I think, you know, for the first couple of drives, you know, until we get settled, just like last year, that's exactly what happened last year. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think that we're going to come out there again. It's going to be a statement game. Every game from here on out that you have common opponents, it's going to be a statement game. I'm hundred percent on board with that. Uh Mike brings me a good point. He said, don't overlook this bye week, a major bye week. Listen, he's not wrong. And what he means by that is it came at the perfect time. Perfect time, right? Heading into the bye week, right? Obviously, we're on a bye this week. So this Wednesday, it's going to be a little bit different. But what we're saying is stay healthy, right? Keep the standard. I'm telling you right now, practice is going to be a bitch for anybody not number one on the depth chart. I just say that because I think your ones are going to get your – you're going to lick your wounds, right, get healthy, get keep those guys healthy. But your practice squad guys, your twos, your threes, I feel like you're going to see those guys go through hell, really. I just think that's what's – I guess my good question for Juan here, when you were playing, what was how – did, how did you handle the bye week? It's probably a little bit different because Kirby's the head coach, but – well, we, we just had we just had a bad situation when you know at, at Georgia we ran off nine straight before we even had a bye week, so we did not have the luxury of having a bye week before the Florida game, and and that's one of the things that Steve Spurrier implemented 
when he was at Florida is that we're going to have a bye week before Georgia. Well, we played nine games in a row. Um, and then we had a bye week after we played Florida, then we'd have a bye week. We played Auburn, then we'd have a bye week and then we would play Georgia tech, which it, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to have your, your, your team to play nine games in a row. So now the way that Kirby has it, and just like Michael said, this is a very important, very important bye week, um, you know, for, for them to go and, and prepare, they, they, you know, they've run, gone through the first part of their schedule and now they're going through this back half to, to really make some statements. And, and, and that's what they're doing is, is they're making statements. I mean, I think you look at it this way too, right? Like you look at, um, how can I explain this? You take a look at getting the right pieces back, right? Jalen Carter has been out the last couple of games. A.D. Mitchell hasn't really played that much. If he has, it's been very, very minimal reps, maybe one or two of that, and it wasn't really doing much. Getting those two pieces back, right, getting this week to heal and not have to worry about going out and playing anybody. You know, I think, like I said, it's the perfect timing for Georgia to have a bye week. Because you go into you go into the Florida game, you'll probably Kirby will find a way to motivate these guys. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. He'll find a way to keep these. Y'all, he's a Gator hater just like us. Juan, you know this. Go down there, take care of business. He's going to have these guys laser focused. I think take the week to mentally reset and literally grasp a laser focus because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Looking into the back half of this, the, the remaining part of our uh, schedule. You have to, because they're, in my opinion, outside of Georgia Tech, there's really not an easy, truly easy game. What it looks like, I think you might see it make it look easy. But anytime you play Florida, it's never going to be truly easy. You look at, obviously, Tennessee coming into town. We saw what we're just talking about. You look at Mississippi State. Cowbells are ridiculous, right? Uh, Mississippi State just got beat by Kentucky, but nonetheless – still a really good opponent. And then also you look at going to Kentucky, right? We'll, we'll see how things play out. But those four games will really – they'll really make and tell you what you're made of, right? If, if you look at it outside of Oregon, you know, a lot of people wanted to say we didn't really play nobody, which obviously you play who you play. Ask anybody in the ACC or Big Ten about that, but that's neither here nor there. You look at what we have on the backside of this uh, bye week, and that's all you need to see. It's that simple. Um, yes, yeah, listen, we talk about Florida. Um, laugh and point at the scoreboard. Exactly right, Pat. Uh, Mike Dudley just brought out this. On three, just uh, I guess did updated rankings or whatever. Uh, Puglisi in the top 40, folks, is what they had on three. Top 40. Now, Mike, confirm for me if that's overall. I would have to assume that's the case. Like I said, kid's not a three-star, folks. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Juan, I want to get. I want to ask you more and more thing, right? So, what was a bye week like for you? I know you talked about the timing of the bye week, but from from a from a game plan perspective, from all these different facets, what was the bye week like for you when you played? You know, it, it, you have Monday off. You practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You have that Friday off. Um, and, and, you know, just to get some guys healed up, get some guys rest, we do more walkthroughs than we actually do physical, physical practice, you know, so just kind of giving your body a rest. And, and then that next week is when you just kind of start your game plan, uh, for, you know, for, for, for your next common opponent. But it was, it was, it was always nice to have a bye week 
because again, the physicality of, of, of playing in the SEC is, is, is not easy. So, you know, just get, you know, got some guys some time to get back to heal and uh, just give your body a rest. I, I would assume that's got to be the case. Like I said, we, especially the guys that, you know, probably playing slightly injured, right? Like, or waiting to come back, right? I think that's a, a crucial time for them to heal. I, I think you need, I think you need for that uh, to happen. But at the same time, I think Kirby Smart's handled business the right way since he's got here, right? We haven't had issues coming out of the bye week, right? We've handled business against Florida, right? Now, the one year, I think, was it 2020 or 2019 or 2021 when, um, when all those guys coming out of Kentucky was hurt? Um, yeah. you, remember, you remember when we had like six starters go down yep. for the injury? Yep. Like outside, of the, outside of that, which, I mean, really wasn't out, was out of his control, but like we've, you haven't really had any issues coming, you know, like coming out of the bye weeks. Um, you know, listen, I think, you know, we talk about healthy dogs, right? I think we make sure guys stay on good behavior. Um, Athens-Clark County seems to be the arch nemesis to the Georgia Bulldogs football program. I, listen, you can give me Florida, you can give me Tennessee, I don't care, but Athens-Clark County seems to be the biggest uh, thorn in the side of uh, the football team. Uh, so make sure these guys stay out of trouble, right? Yeah. Um that's a big deal. I think you have to do that. Uh, I would assume you probably get a, you know, these guys get a chance to go back home if possible too. Um, you know, I think that's good too. I, th- I think like getting back home and, you know, like I said, make sure they're, you know, they're doing the right things. But like I said, I think it ultimately boils down to this mental reset and, and regathering the focus for the back half of the uh, season. Um, one, I think we've talked about, obviously we talked about Tennessee and Bama. Um, what about this LSU Florida game? Uh, I guess we'll do a very early preview. We'll do this more officially, uh, come time, but LSU pretty much putting a whooping on, uh, Florida in, in the swamp yeah. and, L- and LSU has been my Debbie Downer for me, right? I thought they were, I thought they had the makings to do what they needed to do. And that so far has not been the case. Um, which surprisingly, they're still up in like I want to say like third or fourth in the SEC because it's all like conjoined right there. Yeah. Um, but n- neither I, I guess neither here nor there. What were your thoughts on Florida? Because Florida's on a bye week too. You know, coming off of that kind of loss where it was demoralizing, right? They were down three scores and, and came back to within seven, I think it was, before LSU just put it down, right? Yeah. If you're coming off of a loss, right? How? What is the mentality coming off of a win versus coming off of a loss into a bye week? You know, I feel I'm assuming you probably have to literally, regardless whether you win or lose, clear your, you know, clear the palate, mental palate, and, and get ready for the remaining games. Is it harder? Like, is it harder to come off of a come out of a bye week mentally prepared and 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 with a new, you know? Yeah, this is a different situation, I, I believe. So, you know, when, when I was there, you know, we always lost, you know, my entire time we lost to Florida. Then we would come in and then have to play Auburn, who, you know, twice beat Florida. So we kind of, you know, you, you're, you're demoralized going into your bye week, you know, coming out of that bye week, knowing that you're going to have to play in Auburn, who then you go and lose and then you go into another bye week. So that's another week of, of, of being demoralized. Um, but then we would get to finish it up with Georgia Tech, which, you know, you kind of end off on a high note. Um, but I, I really think that this past week was a case of Florida just overlooking LSU. I mean, LSU just 
this season just has not – they have not been good. They've been struggling, and I just want to say that, you know what, Florida was just – I do. I think they were caught looking ahead, hoping that they were just going to go ahead and, you know, take this game easily, get into the bye week, and then try to challenge challenge Georgia. And then now all hopes are lost. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest, you can't even get past an uh, LSU team that's not very good. You're going to go into a bye week, and then you're going to have to come out and face a focused Georgia Bulldog team. It's, you know, if, if you're not already demoralized, you know, coming up into that game is going to be really, really tough for you. Yeah, I, that's that's my I'm, – I'm looking at it right here. I don't necessarily think they really overlooked them, though, Juan. Like, Jaden Daniels just had a damn good game. Yeah. Like, they just handled business. Like, when, when you look at the start of the game, right, the, the, with the bomb to shorter, I think it was, for a touchdown, right, they were up 14-7, and they just let it go. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I don't even necessarily know if that's looking o- overlooking LSU. I just wonder if they got beat. Yeah, I just think they got beat. Good chance, yeah. So I mean, neither here nor like, regardless if they overlooked them or they just got beat though, right? When you're coming to when you're coming to Jacksonville, right after a bye week, and like you said, coming to face a focused Georgia team. If Georgia comes in, I think I think Kirby could probably take a look at this, right, and, and manipulate it somehow to say, listen, we, we had this experience against Missouri. We had it against Kent State. We can't come out and play slow. We can't come out and overlook our opponent. With the extra bye week, I'm just saying, I think you're going to see a completely different Georgia team. We, we got into a groove these past couple games against Auburn and against um, Vanderbilt. But I would expect coming out of this bye week to see more of those two and the Oregon game than I would and South Carolina for that matter than what we saw coming out slow. I don't think we come out slow because I, I think Kirby's going to tell them we can't afford to do that. Yeah, we can't. They're going to take care of business early, get everybody in early, put the game away early um, because you know that that next weekend is 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 going to be a big 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 weekend. So. Go ahead and take care of business early. Make, you know, go ahead and make a statement, you know, beat them down, make them quit. And then, you know, then start to mentally get prepared. Um, yeah. For that I mean, I mean, like my thing is like, you don't want to look around the NCAA right now either. If you're Georgia, because of so much chaos going on. I mean, you can look around it and say that any team can be beat. That's one thing. But what you don't want to look at is looking at the SEC West rankings. Don't get too far ahead. It's, Right. Don't get too far ahead. Well, Bama lost, so we might not even see them. Don't even start to think about that. Don't think about that because you've got an opponent in three weeks that could very well knock you off. And you you'll be sitting your ass on the couch watching the SEC championship game if you ain't careful. Yep. Keyword being take care of business from here on out. Do what you're doing. And welcome to Atlanta. It's yeah. that simple. Like, yeah. Welcome to Atlanta. It's that simple. One. I think that'll wrap this thing up for today, man. Were there any final takeaways we want to bring up? No, again, like I said, every game here is going to be statement games for Georgia. So we're just, uh, you know, excited to see what they're going to do. Listen, you, you come off of a 55 nothing win. Um, you, you about played a perfect game, right? I said about. Um, defensively, you, holding a team to 150 uh, total yards of uh, offense, impressive. Uh, offense consistency, right? I think we had one field goal. I don't even. I don't. I think we punted one time. One. I think mm-hmm. 
game like that right there, if you can, can if you translate that in the remaining games, you're going to go, like we said in the preseason, undefeated regular season. We'll see somebody in uh, in Atlanta, but the main focus here: don't look ahead. Just focus on the day and keep it going. Uh, listen, one last call here for dog fans: these ticket prices are stupid, stupid high. Right? It's okay. I understand. I understand the assignment. Okay. Do not, and I repeat, do not give your damn ticket away. Don't sell it to a damn Vol fan. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. They they will come at you looking like 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 the devil in disguise, folks. I got I got this. I'll give you I'll give you the mortgage. Now don't do it. You can't give in. You cannot give in. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna leave it on that note. I want to make sure people understand this. Listen, we're talking about week right now, but these ticket prices, folks. We need Georgia. We need we need Sanford Stadium packed the fuck out. It's that simple. Pack it out. Don't sell your damn ticket to a ball fan. What are what kind of dog fan would do that? Don't don't do it. Just don't do it. Not Pat. I want I want full seats, but know who you selling the tickets to, man. Don't I, <laughs> Pat. Pat says he would rather see empty seats than orange seats. Nah, nah. Sell them tickets, but sell them properly. Right? Yeah. Make sure you sell them the right way. Sell them to somebody you know if that's. you're trying to sell it if you're listening to this or watching this and you don't know hit me up hit up the dg podcast socials i'll tell you right now we'll get you in some we'll get you in contact with somebody that can get those tickets to a dog fan not a vault fan just gonna leave that there right we're gonna wrap the show on that Juan, ready for you ready for wednesday already man it's gonna be a wild week it's gonna be a wild week with that being said make sure to like follow subscribe if you listen on podcasts Leave a review, like, and follow as well. Follow us on the socials, D at, or at the DGD Podcast. You can also find Juan Daniels there, too. Listen, he's, he's, he's goaded, folks. He's goaded. General Juan, right? General Juan. Yes, sir. It's that simple. It's, it's, not, it's not General Sal anymore. It's General Juan. Um, but with that being said, have a great day. Listen, we got the bye week, folks. We're going to be talking a little bit about that Wednesday. Let's give you a little preview, a little taste of it. With that being said, have a great day. Catch you on the next time. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>